the dullest and most interesting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you meet now, if at only, if at all, only in a nightmare. There are no extraordinary people. Sorry, there are no ordinary people. You guys are all extraordinary. There are no ordinary people. It is immortals whom we joke with, marry, snub, exploit. Immortal horror or everlasting splendors. It's a book from, uh, it's a part of his book called The Weight of Glory. What Lewis is attempting to communicate is this, that although every person is unique and therefore takes a unique and different path through this life, each one of those unique paths will narrow into only two paths. No matter how many paths there are, no matter how many people groups there are, and how many unique ways there are to live this life, everyone will either enter into being a glorious being in heaven or a wretched being in hell. This is the third week that we've spent talking about God's global mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we're spending the entire month of June talking about God's desire to save mankind from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So God's global mission, it's a term used to describe, the, to describe the spreading of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so two weeks ago, the first sermon was from Luke chapter 5. It's a story about how Jesus calls his first followers. They were local fishermen. He called them to follow him and be, become people who would no longer catch fish, but catch men, women, children for Christ. The big idea was this two weeks ago. We have been caught, if you're a Christian, we have been caught by Jesus so we would catch others for Jesus. That's our calling. Week two, last week, the sermon was from Jesus' words in John chapter 14. He says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And we read stories from brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world who have been martyred and killed for their faith. That was the theme, was martyrdom last week. It certainly was tough and challenging week because we were reminded last week of what we've been called to as believers. The big idea was this, that we are to, as Jesus would call us, hate our own lives even unto death so others would hear the gospel. That was the theme. Renounce all you have. Abandon all you have. Hate your life even to the point of death. Take up your cross. Follow me and go tell people about salvation. So today I want to draw your attention to the topic of hell. Not necessarily the topic for Father's Day, but I am going to fit in some Father's stuff later so we can feel like we got the stamp of approval. But today I'm going to draw your attention to the topic of hell. And as I have done in the past, for the past two weeks, I will preach this sermon without qualification. Meaning, I will preach, suggest, call, rebuke, and challenge you to go to the ends of the earth without stopping to consider whether you should or you shouldn't. And if you're not called to go, what do I do here today? I'm not going to qualify anything. I'm just going to say some things that the Bible says, and God will do with the rest of the work for us. So today I'm going to focus on what the Bible says about hell, because the reality of hell provides us the reason why we must, as Peter did, leave our nets behind and follow Jesus. And why, like so many around the world, why we must renounce our life, hate our own life, even unto death. And if we must die, take the message of salvation to the ends of the earth. So this is the reason why. Nathaniel and Nikki Camp are headed to Kenya in just a few short months. And he actually gave me the 
the themes I'm supposed to preach about. So I'm just following an instruction. And he told me that I have to preach in week three about the message of missions. That's, that was my job. So if you're confused as to why I must preach about hell, I just want to say this to be very clear. Jesus died on a cross and then rose from the grave to save us from the wrath of God against all uh, sin and ungodliness. He saved us from his just, holy, and righteous wrath, and he has saved us from a conscious eternal torment in a place called hell. Because what I want you to know is that Jesus doesn't necessarily save us from loneliness or addiction or narcissism, you know who you are, or grief or sorrow. And if any one of you have experienced freedom from the darkness of loneliness or addiction or narcissism or grief or sorrow, this is an amazing thing. It is God's Holy Spirit renewing your heart and your mind. It's, it's actually a joy to walk with Christ as he makes all things new in this world. Amen? So our lives do change. We are saved from certain things. But the message of salvation is primarily targeting our salvation from hell. This was why Jesus was crucified. God the Father poured out all of his wrath on God the Son, making it possible for people like me and possible for people like you to be saved from his holy, righteous, and just wrath against sin. And so the message of missions is this. God has made a way. God has made it possible for people to be saved. He has made it possible to be saved from his wrath, which is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. That's Romans chapter 1. And he has made a way because, John 3.16, he so loved the world. And he gave me a wireless mic that whoever should listen to the word, I speak through it. How about this, Brandon? Can I do that? Thank you. <laughs> That's not Brandon's fault. It's totally fine. So we are saved from his wrath, which is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And he does so because he so loved the world and God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the message of missions. So what I want us to do as a church, as a young church, we're just getting our foot into the game here in global missions, is that we would grasp this biblical understanding of hell as well as understand God's plan to save people from it. And this is what we would need to help us run towards people who need to hear it. You heard the parable read by Sarah earlier, and this, this is a story that will guide our teaching this morning. And here's where I'm going to do. Here's where I'm headed. I will give you the main idea of this parable, but I will not teach through it. I will not explain the rich man or the poor man or salvation. I'm going to give you the main idea of why this is in our Bible and what the original hearers were intended to hear. Then I'm going to use this to teach us about hell. And I'm using this parable to teach about hell because this is the one and only place in the Bible where we hear someone speak from hell. It's not found anywhere else. And so here's the main idea. Here's why I want to use this parable. The rich man is not in hell because he was rich or because he was not empathetic towards the poor. The rich man is in hell because he did not believe in God's plan for salvation. And in not believing in God's plan for salvation, he rejected God's plan for salvation. So the story goes that he is in hell because he had good things in this life while Lazarus did not. The rich man is in hell because he thought the prosperity that he was experiencing in his life was a sign of a blessing of some sort of afterlife. 
You know, if he has the purple robe, the fine linen, he's got the table full of food. He's probably never gone wanting anything. And so he's thinking, I'm right with God. Surely I'm right with God if my life is okay. Well, that was quite the opposite. The rich man is in torment, the parable says, because he has rejected what God has provided. He, had re- he has rejected and he had rejected God's Savior as revealed in God's word. I feel very awkward holding this. I've never done this before. This is new for me. So please see through this, Mike. I uh, do I hold it like this? Is that? Can you hear me? Okay. So weird. What? I could put it back on the stand. No, I can't do that. I'll knock it over, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> New father coming up. So how are we going to apply this? Here, here's how I want to, I, I, thank you for this. Here's how I want to apply this. We must realize that people will take many unique paths in life, thinking back to the quote that I started with. But all of these paths will narrow into only two, heaven or hell. Let me put it this way. Only those who believe in and act on what God has said in his word will be saved from hell and received into heaven. That's the message. Forget what you've been told about all sort of paths leading to the same God. That everyone around the world has been given a different revelation from God. Or they've been told by God through a different person, not Jesus, that it's okay and eventually we're all going to end up in the same place. The Bible never speaks of salvation and of heaven in those terms. Because if that were true, Let's say we believe that only for a second. The command to go to the nations and preach the gospel would, wouldn't matter. We wouldn't need to do it. The command to renounce all we have and go to the ends of the earth with the gospel wouldn't matter. Why? Because they would have what they needed. But that's not what Christ says. If those who are going to be received into heaven are going to get into heaven, they must, to res- they must respond to what God has said in his word. I want to say this. Global missions, that means... What I just said, that means global missions is about preaching the word of God. Now, certainly, there is much going on around the world, supporting people, helping people, loving them, digging wells, doing all sorts of stuff in the name of Jesus to serve mankind. That is a noble, worthy cause that happens all over the world. But at its core, global missions is about someone going somewhere and preaching the word of God or teaching the word of God or supporting the preaching and teaching the word of God. God had only one son, and he made him a preacher. So we must go and we must preach. So when we talk about sending people to the ends of the earth, when we talk about going and preaching the word of God, this is why we do it. This is why preaching is the global mission. And here's why. Here's the big idea. Missions exist because hell is real. Pretty simple. We can remember that. Missions exist because hell is real. And we know that from this parable. The Bible speaks a lot of hell, and Jesus speaks a lot of hell. But we don't hear anyone speak from hell as we do in these verses. The story goes, there was a poor man who died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. That's going to represent heaven. This is a parable, so this didn't really happen. This is Jesus telling a story. The rich man also died and was buried. And so he ends up there, and he speaks, and he's in torment, and he's in agony, and he says, send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in anguish, and I am in this flame. And Jesus says, the rich man lifted up his eyes and cried out for mercy, which means he was fully conscious, he was fully aware, 
of the eternity he was experiencing. That's why we say conscious eternal torment, which is a teaching that's not quite popular anymore. The rich man was fully aware of the situation that he was in, which means hell is not a party for those who love to live crazy. Hell is not a place where you can go and live life to the fullest without any repercussions. Hell is not the party of the underworld. We've seen a lot of movies, so I'm just trying to refute some of those. Hell is not a place where you sit around and make fun of church people. Hell is a place of everlasting torment, agony, anguish. This is why we must go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. Because even as the rich man does, which is make a heartfelt plea to heaven, every plea from a sinner in hell is just smoke evaporating into nothing because it doesn't go anywhere. Once someone is in hell, there's no way out. The parable says there's no exit door. There's a great chasm that has been fixed, and no one goes from there to here. And I think there is something to the rich man having a chance to talk with Abraham, who is in heaven. But notice what the rich man does not do. He doesn't ask to get out. The rich man has one shot to speak from hell. Let's say he's got this only one. He's got one chance. The only thing he does is ask for Lazarus to bring him some water. He doesn't cry out to God. He doesn't ask for a second chance. He doesn't say he now believes in God. He doesn't seek forgiveness for his sins. He doesn't attempt to negotiate his way out. He actually only tries to get Lazarus to come in. It's almost if that those who are in hell would rather be in hell than be with God in heaven. Do I think they're having a great time? Absolutely not. We're going to get to that in a minute. But here's what I do think is the reality of people who suffer eternal torment in hell. I think they understand that they have deserved God's just and righteous punishment. I think they understand. You see, God is going to get the glory either way. God gets the glory when every sinner repents and is received into heaven. God also gets the glory for every sinner who does not repent. There's two people who are going to live among us on this world. There's two ways you can go here this morning. Towards the end of, the, end of your life, you can raise your hands and you can say, Jesus paid it all. Amen? That's, that's the Christian's cry. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The gospel is not something you do. The gospel is not something you perfect. The gospel is something you receive. It is a gift. You receive it by faith. So you'll have those who say, Jesus paid it all, or those who will say, I'll have to pay it all. That's the only two paths left. Hell is a place of torment. Uh, And in this torment, this rich man asks for some relief, which means hell is a place so horrible, a drop of water seems to be welcomed relief. Relief? Relief. Hell is a place where worms do not die, a place where people suffer in agony, a place where guilt is ever-present, a place, which, by the way, is enough for most of us to not want to go there, a place where guilt is ever-present, a place described as outer darkness, a place where God is not present, a place where people weep and gnash their teeth, a place of everlasting contempt and disgrace, a place where the fire is unquenchable, a place where the fire will never cease to burn, a place where people will long to die, yet death will never come. Hell is a place of everlasting suffering. The final book of your Bible is called Revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And the author John wrote these words in chapter 14. Speaking of those who are going to experience God's judgment in hell. He, they, 
will drink the wine of God's wrath, pour full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. Forever and ever. I mean, the author of Revelation would have made his point if he just wrote, and the smoke of his torment goes up forever, right? I, we understand that word. Forever is a really long time. But then he adds, and ever. Forever and ever. Jonathan Edwards, who was a pastor in the 1700s, would preach many, uh, throughout the week so many times, and he would plead with people with tears in his eyes, and he would say, consider the torment of burning like a livid coal. Not for a moment, not for a day, but for millions and millions of ages. At which point, people will realize they are no closer to the end than when they had begun. They will never, ever be delivered from that place. Forever and ever. So why must we go to the ends of the earth? Why are we spending five weeks in June hoping God calls one of you or two of you or 20 I've been consistent every week, one, two, or 20. If it's 20, 30% of us got to go. That's okay. One, two, or 20. We are praying that God is going to say, go somewhere, tell someone, go to the ends of the earth. Either go to somebody who's never heard. Go to someone who needs the support. Renounce all you have. Abandon everything. Pick up your cross. Follow Christ into global mission. Why must we become those who get very busy catching people for Jesus, as Peter did. Why must we renounce all we have in this life and go? It's simple. Because hell is real. It's a real place. And I don't even have another, you know, 30 minutes or 10 weeks to talk about the reality of heaven. Amen? Heaven is real. Heaven is real. Heaven is not my aim for you today. I want to stir something in your heart and your mind and your soul to realize the place we've been saved from still exists, and it's real, and people will die and go there. Hell is real. Just does not stir something in your soul, then I have no idea what will, even if it's just for the next 45 minutes. Hunger will set in, and about an hour, you'll forget. But at least give me this, 35 to 40 minutes to realize that hell is real. Here's the main point then. Big idea, global missions exists. We go to the ends of the earth because hell is real. Main point, the people of this world will not, that is a will not, the people of this world will not be saved from hell if you do not go and share the gospel. I am preaching without qualification. Yes, I'm talking to you or we or us, which means I or my family. We go. We have been given the responsibility to go. Because no one else is coming. I want you to understand that. Right? No one else is coming. The church is the mission. The message is the mission. Christ has called you. He has saved you. And he's telling you to go. You're not saved to sit. You're saved to go. No one else is coming. Right? We've talked about this already. Like, the Avengers trilogy is over. We're not waiting on that movie to come out. Like, there's nothing else begging your interest. And there's nobody coming after you because you've been called to go. We've been called to go and be witnesses. 
right? So as you see the story unfold through the Bible, God is sending people, sending prophets to his people. He's building a relationship with his people. And then you get to the New Testament in Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in flesh. It's a mystery. It blows your mind. He comes and he says, my kingdom is now here. And then he saves people and he leaves and he sends God's Holy Spirit. And he says, now you, Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does Jesus say? My church, my people. At one time, God had spoken to the prophets. Now who is God speaking through? You, me, the church. We are witnesses for Christ. So let us stop deferring to others. Let us stop passing the buck. If you are here, if you are a Christian, you've been called to share the good news. Some of you have been called to leave and go, wherever that may be. Don't look around and wonder who's going to go instead of you. Just go. We're called to go because of this truth that hell is real. Now, here's the best part. Here's the good news. The Apostle Paul, he writes a lot of the New Testament. The majority of the letters are written by him on the right side of your Bible, the skinny part. And he says this in his letter that he writes to a church in Rome, chapter 10. This is what he tells them. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why do we go? Because hell is real. Why do we also go? Because God saves people from hell. How does he do it? When they confess that Jesus is Lord and they believe that he was raised from the dead. We're saved from eternal torment and hell because of our sin if we believe upon Jesus Christ. We are called to go because Paul writes again, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, what shame? The shame of being cast out of God's presence forever. Yeah, hell is really depressing. I get it. But you know, the Bible is so full of good news. It outweighs all the bad. So Paul says, just go. All you're trying to do is share the gospel. Well, God will do the rest of the work. I'm not asking you to go give people a checklist or some moral code to live by. I'm asking you to preach the gospel. God's spirit is going to do the work. Those people are going to be regenerated, and they're going to say, I believe in Jesus. You know what that means? That means they're saved. Let us not complicate it. We're called to go because Paul says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What are we saved from? The eternal fires of hell which burn like sulfur. This is why we go. See, there's a problem. There is a problem with us going, specifically in our culture. Now I can speak to the culture just a little bit. There is a problem because we've been caught up in the worship of the God of this age. I call him King Comfort. Not because it rhymed, because it's King Comfort. Which means we have been tricked into his tantalizing message of health and wealth and prosperity. And we have, like the rich man, taken the bait of the American dream. Thinking that because God has provided nice clothes, like the purple linen and the fine linen and the purple robe, and because we eat at a table of food every single day, that God somehow and in some way is approving of our lifestyle and blessing us. The parable says that had nothing to do with this man's salvation. We worship the king of comfort. We tell our children, don't go where it's unsafe, right? Don't spend your days doing that. What about retirement? In fact, two weeks ago, I said, we as a church must stop looking at people and calling them crazy because they say, I'm going to go. We do that a lot. Why would you ever leave Michigan? Have you ever felt its summer breeze? No. 
We get it for 32 days. I, I think a lot of times we, take, we look at them and we say, why would you ever go? What about retirement? What about your health? Do they have bathrooms there? What about Wi-Fi? I think as a church, we've done a poor job of saying, oh, yeah, go. Just go. I don't know how you're going to pay for it. We'll figure that out later. Just go. We've been guilty into raising our children to live a safe life. To live a safe life and not lay it all down for the sake of the gospel. This is why we go. We have, like the rich man, taken the bait of the American dream. So, we must repent of that. Seek God's forgiveness of living like this rich man. We must, we must renounce all we have. We are called to hate our lives even to the point of death. Pick up our crosses and follow him. And in following him, we end up going to the ends of the earth. And so Paul gives us what God is going to do through you when you go. People will hear and they will believe and they will be saved. Paul writes again. But then he asks the church in Rome a question. How then will they call on him in whom they've never or who they have not believed? That's a good question. And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? I mean, if you can, I can understand this. Okay, I'm going to give you a train of thought. You're totally going to get it if I can get it. How then will they call on him and him, uh, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Good question. And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to hear? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? It's so logical. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You want to do something that has eternal, lasting impact on this world? Go preach the good news to those who need to hear it. And this is the plan. It's to bring the good news to those who have not heard. This is what Global Missions is all about. This is what Nathaniel and Nikki are about to do in two months. They've already lived in Kenya for a year. Now we're getting them back. And this is why we go, because hell is real. And this is why we go, because God desires for all mankind to be saved, which is why he sent Jesus Christ into the world. God has one plan to save every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that plan involves his church. It involves you, sending or going to the ends of the earth. A letter called 1 Timothy chapter 2 describes a God who desires for all mankind to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. So in understanding hell, biblically, we can't sit back and judge God. We can't say, well, that's, that's quite mean. I think that's a little harsh. Because at the same time, he says, I've, I've offered all mankind away. And in fact, I desire for this message to be preached everywhere. Because I desire for everyone to come to the knowledge of this truth. And from this, we know that God desires people to be saved. And I think the very convicting question we must ask ourselves this morning is, do we desire people to be saved? Now, let me take the punishment for all of us. Then maybe you can think through some things. There are times of my week where I don't desire people to be saved. And it's not like the mean people that I don't like. I know for a fact there are times in my week and in my days I don't care if people go to hell because I can see it in my calendar and I can see it in my bank account and I can see it where I spend my energy and where I don't. I can see it where I spend my money and how I do not spend my money. I can see it in the time I set aside for sharing the gospel and the times that I'm completely and utterly selfish with my time. 
You see, sitting here right now, I think everyone who is here and is a Christian would say, I, I care. I'm with you. Amen. I'm calling us to care after 12.15. And on Monday afternoon. And on Tuesday morning. And then Wednesday evening. And this is a hard call. Because we must set aside the things that we are chasing. And we must live fully and wholly to Christ. It's a hard call. I could go all day. Okay? I could. Some of you know. But it's not what I'm called to do. Huh? Gotcha. So I just want you, I'm going to end. I'm going to begin to end. Okay? That's my phrase. And I want to lead into some application with this. Number one, I want you to know that Christianity is a missionary religion. It's a missionary religion. We know that everyone in the world stands in judgment before God because God is going to righteously judge sin. This isn't even a sermon about how God's able to do that and still be perfect. That's another time. But God is just. He always does what is right. And he is going to righteously judge sin. So we must obey his call to go in joyful trust that he will actually accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish when we go. That's our trust in him. So I'm going to end with a few quotes. Wait, uh, yes, I am. But first, I'm going to turn this into a Father's Day message because I want to be obedient to the culture, okay? It's Father's Day. Here's what you wanted to hear. Fathers, you're amazing, okay? You're awesome. Okay, so now let me apply it. That's, that was my Father's Day message. Okay, now, now let me apply it to this message, okay? Because if I don't speak about fathers, you could be like, I thought it was Father's Day, but I didn't go to a church that talked about fathers. I know that's the problem of the church, but that's a whole other sermon. Okay, listen. Fathers, you have helped your children walk, okay? They're on the sidewalk, and they're walking, and they're not falling down the stairs and hitting their heads all over the place, okay? We get that. We've done that. And then you've helped them ride their bikes and only fall a little bit, just enough to teach them, okay? Those of you who are not, you're doing it wrong. Let them fall. Now, you've loved them. You've sacrificed for them. You've given your all to them. You've stayed up late in the middle of the night. You've sweated. You've cried. So now do this for me. Now do this. Go and tell them about hell. That's how we can apply this. In whatever way you need to do that, tell them about a God who is there, a God who hates sin, about a God who will judge that sin, and about a God who judged that sin by pouring out his wrath on his own son so that we could receive that gift of salvation. I have five kids. Now, let me be an example for you in this one thing. Don't do a lot of things I do. Do this, okay? Talk to your kids about God every single day. I got five. I do it five times. Some of y'all ain't even on my level, so you can do it, okay? If you got three or two or one, much easier. I got five. I will have a spiritual conversation with every single one of those kids in some way and somehow where they will know it. I will look at them in the face, and we will talk about it. It's not always a sermon because they hear me all the time anyway, right? They don't want to hear that. And my three-year-old half the time thinks we're talking about food. So it takes time, right? It takes time. Fathers, you've been given children for a reason. So you can tell them that hell is real and heaven is real and God is there and this is a real thing and Christ really does love them enough to die on a cross for them. Not so they could be moral or so they could make the right decisions throughout their whole life. Not so they could be the perfect son or daughter. So they could walk with Jesus and be saved. Father's Day message wrapped up, completed. Okay, here we go. I'm going to end with six quotes. Five of them, but two of them are reviews, okay? So you got to give me a few minutes. First quote, and every week we've ended with a quote from somebody far smarter than me, so you can take this message and apply it. That's what I want to do. Number one, it's a man named R.C. Sproul. 
He died last year, or two years ago, I think. He said, more people will die today never hearing about Jesus Christ than any other day since God created Adam and Eve. It's alarming. There's more people on the earth. More people will die today never hearing about Jesus Christ than any day since God created Adam and Eve. And tomorrow will break today's record. Tomorrow will break today's record. Because of this, we go and we tell others and we send those who will tell others who have not heard. This is what Global Missions is about. Number two, we're into Charles Spurgeon. So every week you're getting a Charles Spurgeon quote in the month of June. And if Nathaniel doesn't do it, tell me, because I think he should. Week one was about following Jesus. Here's the quote. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I get to preach without qualification, so I'm not even going to follow up on that one. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Number two, it was about martyrdom. Last week was all about people dying for their faith and what they believed. He said this, suffering is better than sinning. There is more evil in a drop of sin than an ocean of affliction. Better to burn for Christ than turn from Christ. Now, our quote this, uh, this morning, and then we'll end. Week three, the reality of hell. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth, in the teeth of our exertions. And let, not, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Global missions, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, happens as a conviction to people because hell is real. And the church cares about people they've never met yet. Because every single person is created in the image of God. And God desires for all mankind to be saved. But how will they be saved if they do not believe? And how will they believe if they do not hear? And how are they going to hear it if you don't preach it? So who's going to go? And that's my question to you. God desires for all mankind to be saved. And I want you to think about this week if you desire that same thing. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Mike Norton's going to come and lead us in communion.